0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here with another installment in my podcast. Today, I want to talk about smears, And how much smears rely on us to be successful, yet how they're also usually not to our benefit at all. And what can we do to change the dynamic? First, what is a smear? I'd say it's carefully timed and publicized release of negative material, true or not, about a target. Character assassination. Who's been targeted over time? Bork, Thomas, Hill, Clinton, Clinton. Beck, Imus, Palin, Biden. Obama, O'Reilly, Sanders, Trump, Hannity, Kavanaugh, Northrum, Klobuchar, Carlson. The fact is, what we used to know is the daily news has been turned into a distribution tool for smears. Who's using us in the media? Nonprofits, LLCs, super PACs, PR firms, crisis management companies, global law firms, all that organize and promote smears as part of a multi-billion dollar industry. They're profiting beyond imagination. But we are not. After interviewing many players who work in the smear industry for my New York Times bestseller, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote, I came up with three characteristics that I think qualify an accusation as a smear. Now, you might be surprised to hear me say that the determination of whether a particular attack is in fact a smear lies not so much in the truth or falsity of the accusation, but in execution, and motivation. So here are what I think are three characteristics of a smear. Number one, the media are used as a tool in an organized effort to amplify accusations, true or not, in a fashion that's disproportionate to the alleged offense. Number two, though moral outrage is voiced, the accused is actually targeted for entirely different reasons than what's being stated, usually in a campaign by political or financial competitors. And number three, the goal of a smear isn't really to right a wrong or get an apology. It's the destruction of the target. We've gotten used to hearing smears one after the other. When a smear is launched against someone we don't like, we may be just as happy to enjoy the ride. If it's against someone we like, we fret about how unjust it is. But we seldom step back and see the big truth. We're a little more than an unwitting audience watching a scripted play. There are behind-the-scenes producers and writers and actors. They're experts at working the media, plucking the emotions of the public and prompting their desired results. These people carefully time each of their allegations. They roll out demands for apologies or resignations, and they organize grassroots boycotts. I think we might benefit from asking ourselves if the Smear du Jour really deserves to dominate national or even global headlines hour after hour, day after day? Are these smears and what they supposedly uncover really much more important than all the real news that's happening around the world? Are we better off for the results? Can we find kryptonite to weaken or destroy the smear if we want to? Well, I've thought a lot about this, and I don't have a perfect answer, but what if we were to decide that how much we should care about a particular allegation has something to do with how recent, how provable, and how serious it is. For example, an unprovable, non-criminal offense, allegedly committed, say, 40 years ago, would merit less attention than an alleged documented crime that took place last week. And then what if we were to say that, in any event, the story that results may merit news coverage but should be proportionate? Well, you might say, that's no good. It matters to me if a politician did dishonest things in high school or college, even if it was a long time ago. And you might say, who decides what's proportionate news coverage anyway? I'm simply saying that if we all stopped being so utterly predictable, so responsive to the typical smear campaigns launched day in and day out, exactly as the smear artists intend, then the value of their multibillion-dollar industry falls to near zero overnight it would require us to change our worldview a bit. When we sense a smear, and we can all tell when one's gearing up, rather than cringing if it's one of our guys or being happy if it's one of theirs, maybe we should ask ourselves, who's behind the attack and what's the real purpose, regardless of the target? The power of the smear lies entirely within its capacity to make us respond. The day we decide not to play the game is the audience, we could see a drastic reduction not only in smears but also in smears covered as news. Allegations and accusations could still be reported, but in a far more appropriate and proportional fashion. I dream of a world without smears because in the end, we aren't the ones who benefit. The ones who gain the most work in that behind-the-scenes, multi-billion-dollar industry that's pulling our strings. And because smears fill news time and divert our attention from matters that are arguably more important, we lose out twice. How about a little audience participation in the next play? I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please share it and leave your comments at CherylAckison.com. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.